So, this morning, we're going to be starting a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs. Alright, and the subtitle is Living Well in God's World. Proverbs is a blueprint for living well in God's world. The key word in the book of Proverbs is wisdom. It's all about wisdom. It's about how do we live wisely. And it's not just about knowledge, right? Like, sometimes we think of wisdom and we think of the wise old owl who dispenses knowledge. It's not really so much about that, although that's part of it. It's really about wise living. It's very practical. It's a very practical book. And it's not trying to make you book smart. Like I said, it's, it's trying to make you life smart. Because some of you probably know people who are really book smart, but they're not very life smart, right? Some of you know some people like that. Uh, yeah. And there's a lot of wise people, there are a lot of, yeah, wise people, life smart, who aren't particularly book smart, too. Uh, I love watching Jeopardy. Anybody else here love to watch Jeopardy? We got any Jeopardy fans? All right, so... <clears throat> Jeopardy came on Netflix like a, a year ago or something and that was like the best day ever because now you can go on Netflix and you can watch all the tournaments of champions on, uh, on Netflix and so I'll sit in bed at night and watch that and there are some crazy smart people in the Jeopardy tournament of champions it's like it's unreal how smart they are um, but again just because they've memorized a bunch of random information uh, and might be a million dollar returning champion on Jeopardy doesn't mean that they're life smart okay and and uh, and so wisdom and and book smarts are two different things uh, and so Proverbs is a treasure chest of wisdom and biblical wisdom God's wisdom to make you life smart according to according to God's principles not man's principles and it's more than just good advice. It is good advice, but it's more than that, too. It's deeper than that. It's God's invitation for us as we live according to His principles for His world to become who He made us to be, to become fully human, to live in line with the grain as opposed to against the grain of the good ways of the universe, the way He ordered it. <clears throat> so Proverbs and the wisdom that it talks about is, is, is about how to, be, how, to, how to be good at life in God's world. Dr. Roy Zuck, theologian, he says, Wisdom is observing and following the Creator's principles of order in the moral universe. And principles is a good word as we come to the book of Proverbs as well. Principles. Um, because sometimes we can read them as promises. And Proverbs is one of these interesting books where the, 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 the ideas, the Proverbs, the wisdom that we get in Proverbs is not necessarily promises, right? Let me give you an example. So in the book of Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Well... Some of you, I mean, most of the time, that's true, right? If you, if you train up a child, you give them a great foundation, and you lead them well, and you guide them lovingly in the way they should go, and you bring them to church, and you engage in the scriptures at home, and do all the things you're supposed to do, generally speaking, your children follow through and turn out well. But you know what? It's not always true. Sometimes there's exceptions to that, right? Um, they don't always go the way they should go. Some of you know that firsthand. And so that's a 
principle in the book of Proverbs, but it's not a promise. It's not a guarantee that that's always going to be the way it is. So the Proverbs are, are principles, they're probabilities, they're, they're logic according to God's world, but they're not necessarily promises. General rules, but not always guarantees. So that's good to keep that in mind as well as we study the book of Proverbs. And there's actually two other books of wisdom literature in the Old Testament, the book of Job and the book of Ecclesiastes. And both of those books kind of are in contrast to Proverbs. Where Proverbs is all of this logic and, you know, A plus B equals C, uh, you do this and this is the outcome. Ecclesiastes and Job kind of throw a monkey wrench in that, <laughs> right? And they say, you know what? Sometimes life is unfair. Sometimes things don't go the way that you want them to. It's not always logical, and I'm glad those books are there. They highlight the exceptions to the rule, because sometimes there's a lot of exceptions to the rule. But Proverbs is more black and white. If you do this, this will happen. And it's these short little nuggets of this kind of logical wisdom, good logical insight. So there's these like little Sort of like Twitter. They're like little tweets, right? Except they're from God and not from some, you know, uh, world leader who's unhinged or something. Um, okay, so... Um, <laughs> so Proverbs is like God's Twitter, okay? With all this wisdom for us. That in mind, the Proverbs is not really making promises... Uh, but is uh, teaching general principles or probabilities, which sometimes don't always work out the way we hope, but are generally true, let's look at what the book of Proverbs says will most likely be true for you if you live according to God's wisdom. So let's start with that. Let's start with the outcome first. If you live according to the things we're going to talk about in this whole series, what does God say will be, generally speaking, true of your life? So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 2 to start this morning. And reading from the New Living Translation this morning and starting at verse 1. Proverbs 2. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. And now... Here, kind of getting into the result. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. Verse uh, 5. Verse 5. We might have jumped ahead there. Do we have that slide? Missing? Okay, well, we were having some problems with the slides this morning, so that's probably why. Anyway, verse 5 says, uh, you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. You're not just going to learn information of God. That's not what that's talking about. But you will be acquainted with God. And you'll get in step with God. Which is good considering what it says in verse 6. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just. And protects those who are faithful to him. So God is the shield. He is this protector. And when we live in accordance... There it is. When we live in accordance with uh, his wisdom for us, when we heed what this book says, then we gain that knowledge of God. We live in that zone of his protection. 
Uh, going to verse 9, it says, Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. Clear direction in life is another benefit that we gain, another, another treasure that we attain when we follow God's wisdom, is that we have clear direction in life. We'll find the right way to go. Verse 10, For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. We will have joy. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy life? Yes, He does. Let's go to verse 12. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. These men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong and they enjoy twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. When you live a right way, you'll be, you'll, you will be protected from those people, help you avoid those people and those circumstances that will cause you grief. Um, and similarly, verse 16, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. There's a lot about that. We're going to get to that in another message about the promiscuous woman. Yeah. Go to uh, chapter 3. It says, uh, verses 1 and 2, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. You, know, you see what the Scriptures are saying here. It's saying, follow God's way. Live according to God's ideas of how the world works, not man's ideas, and your life is going to go well. And it goes on and on like this through the whole book, over and over and over again. It's kind of summarized by uh, what it says in chapter 10, verse 6, the godly will be showered with blessings. Anybody here been blessed by God? Yeah? Oh, good. Most of you. <laughs> All of you have been blessed. Yeah. God has blessed us so much, even though sometimes life has been a struggle. Yet, God has blessed. And as I said, God desires your well-being. He actually wants you to enjoy life. He really does. Now, some people don't think that's true. Uh, a lot of unbelievers think that God doesn't want you to have any fun. They can't imagine anything more boring or dreadful than being a Christian. When we say you must be born again, they hear you must be bored again. <laughs> right? Like, for a lot of people... Following Jesus does not sound like very much fun. You know, and even some Christians say, you shouldn't have fun as a Christian. You should not go to the movies and not play cards and not dance. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not... Just, what, what, what are you talking about? No. We've got to show these people the truth that the Christian life lived in step with God is actually exhilarating. It's life-giving. It's abundant joy. It's everlasting peace. It's security and hope. God's not out to ruin your life. Just the opposite. Right? He wants to give you life like you've never experienced it before. I even, I even dare, dare I say, you know, he, he wants you to have fun, right? He does. Amen? Amen. Anybody else having fun being a follower of Jesus? Yeah? A few of you? That's good. It's not all sunshine and roses. It's not health and wealth. It's not prosperity gospel. You know, sometimes following Jesus is sacrificial. A lot of the time it's sacrificial. It's not easy, but it is awesome. The godly will be showered with blessings. The godly will be showered with blessings. That's really good news. God is cheering for you. What we need to hear this morning is that if we live out the principles in the book of Proverbs, we will, generally speaking, experience all sorts of blessing. Life will be better for those who live according to, to godly wisdom. 
So Proverbs is filled with all these little wisdom tweets, okay? And, and it's a collection of very short sayings on a wide variety of subjects. Uh, each week in this series, we're going to look at a different area that Proverbs talks about and explore God's wisdom for that area of life. Things like choosing your friends. That's a big theme in Proverbs. Our work life, our work ethic, our business practices, how we use our words, how we handle conflict, how we handle money, our sexuality, and so on and so on and so on. There's all kinds of stuff that Proverbs talks a lot about. We're going to dig into each of those things and say, what is God's wisdom for this area? And that's going to be what we're we're doing. So where do we start? Well, Proverbs tells us where to start. Proverbs gives us a starting point. And the starting point that Proverbs gives us is to fear God. The starting point to the wise life, the starting point to wise living, the starting point to living well in God's world is fear God. It says in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And the book of Job, the other wisdom literature book, along with Ecclesiastes. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of wisdom. You want to be wise? You want to live well according to biblical wisdom? You want to experience all the joy and blessing and all the things we just read about that you experience when you live in step with God? Well, the first step is fear God. Fear the Lord. Ugh. What? That doesn't sound very good. Fear, right? Like, so the, you know, I know, that's kind of my reaction. Like, when I read the fear the Lord, like, I thought you just said it's supposed to be fun, and now you're saying it's all about fearing God? That doesn't sound good, right? God, and, and doesn't the Bible say don't be afraid? Like, fear not? Doesn't it say that? Like, People say it says that 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year. That's not actually true, but it's nice to think that anyway. But um, um, it says it a lot, okay? It's not, it's not actually 365, but it doesn't matter. Um, but it says, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Okay, that's great. Um, uh, but then it says, fear God. So what is it? Am I supposed to be afraid or not be afraid? And It's very confusing sometimes, the Bible. You know, it seems to contradict itself. Well, let me help you understand this idea of the fear of the Lord. What is this talking about? What is the fear of the Lord? What does it say when it says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord? What does that mean? Well, okay, good. So let me, let me kind of give you an illustration. So I used to play Little League Baseball. Anybody here play Little League Baseball? Yeah, okay. I was terrible at Little League Baseball. Uh, I was one of the worst, probably. If people were picking teams, you know, when, you know I would be like one of the last ones picked. It was, it was just it was the worst. And I played on the team. I, this was probably when I was seven, eight years old. I only did it for a couple of years, and then I gave up because I realized I'm dreadful. This is not, this is not for me. Um, uh, so anyway, I played on this team called the Aylesford Ants. The Aylesford Ants, and we were not good, probably because I was on the team. Um, and when our greatest fear came when we had to play against the neighboring community, the Morristown Mohawks. Now, Morristown, anyone who knows the valley at all, Morristown is a very, very small, it's a farming community is all it is, really, it's a farming town. All they do in Morristown is farm, 
and play baseball. That's all they do in Morristown, at least when I was a kid. And so there are these farm boys who are really good at baseball. And when they would come and play us little Ilsford ants, we'd get squashed <laughs> every time, right? We, we used to call them, we used to mock them and call them the Morristown mess-ups um, uh, and try to minimize their greatness in our minds. So they didn't need to come up with a, a derogatory term for us because we were already called the Ilsford ants. I mean, come on. <laughs> Doesn't really strike fear in the heart of your enemy. Um, anyway. Whenever we played the Mohawks, we lost without fail. It was terrible. Um, here's my point. If you're going to win, you need to be on the right team. Okay? If you're always playing against the strongest players instead of with the strongest players, you're going to lose. That's just kind of the logic, right? Um, and it's, and it's just, here's, this is what I'm talking about when we talk about fearing the Lord. God is the strongest player. God is the Babe Ruth. God is the major league star. Okay? He is the best of the best of the best. And if you are playing against him, you are destined to lose. Right? So we fear God in that we recognize that he is the best. We recognize that he is awesome. We say, God, you are mighty and you are holy, you are strong, you are so powerful, I wouldn't dream of trying to play against you. Rather, our inclination should be to say, I want to be on his team, right? I want to join that team because they got God, right? They got the best player, right? That's, and this is what it is to fear God, is to say, is to say, God, like, you are you are beyond, like, you are so, and, and like, if I tried to play against you, I'd be terrified because of your strength. John Piper says it this way, he says, Fearing God means that God is, in your mind and heart, so powerful, and so holy, and so awesome, that you would not dare to run away from Him, but only run to Him. So to fear God is to have a healthy reverence and awe toward Him. It's to exalt Him, to honor Him, to reverence Him, to worship Him, to acknowledge His worthiness, to acknowledge His position as Creator and Judge of all mankind, to willingly admit and live like He is truly the almighty, powerful King of the universe that He is. And here's the key that I am not. It's like when, I love the scene in, in the book of Isaiah when uh, the prophet Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah chapter 6, he enters, he has this vision, he enters into the throne room of God, he enters into the Holy of Holies, and God is there, and there's these angels whirling around him, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and it's this intense scene around, around God's throne, and Isaiah's response to that, his response to that is, Woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Like he was, he was, he, he feared God, right? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Like what am I doing here? This is a holy God. Who am I to be in his presence? And so to fear God is to rightly position yourself in relation to God. You are God. I am not. And so... With that in mind, we run to Him. Not away from Him, but we run to Him through Jesus Christ our Lord. Instead of trying to live without Him, instead of trying to compete against Him, the unbeatable, we join His team. 
And now, His might, His strength, His holiness, the greatness of His love, and all that He is, is now working in our favor. Not selfishly, but praise God. We get to be on His team. He becomes our good, good Father. And He says to you, His child, fear not. You don't have to be afraid of anything else because you're mine. Because you're on team Jesus. So this is where that the, you know, the ideas where the scriptures say, fear not, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, but fear God. Yeah, because if you fear God and you have his strength in your life, you don't have to be afraid of anything else. Praise God. When you fear the Lord, we can truly live life free from fear. It's one of those paradoxes of the Bible, right? Like, fear God so you don't have to be afraid. Surrender yourself to the Lord. Become his slave. Become a prisoner for Christ so that you can be free. Die to yourself so that you can live. Now, I need to say this as well, and this is so important. This is so important. If you are living apart from Christ, you should be afraid. The Bible says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then comes judgment. It says, fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, to me, it's a terrifying thought. Any moment of any day, your heart could stop beating, and just like that, you're going to face Almighty God. And if your sin problem has not been resolved, if your record has not been erased by the blood of Christ, and you attempt to stand before a holy God under your own righteousness and your own merit, it's going to be a very, very sad day for you. Whatever your view on the nature of hell, if we accept that the Bible is true, we must accept that hell is real and very, very bad and is where people who don't know Jesus are headed. So if that's where you are in relation to God, you ought to be afraid. You need to get right with God and you need to do it now. Don't delay. Turn your heart to God now. Turn up today, in this moment even. In humility, come to Him and ask Jesus to save you from your sin. Now, the fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. The starting point to living well in God's world is to recognize the greatness of God, to stand in awe of Him, to bow down in humility and surrender, to trust in Jesus Christ and join the family. In Psalm 33.8 it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Uh, some of you have read the Chronicles of Narnia or seen the movies, right? Where there's Aslan the lion. You can put that picture up. And Aslan the lion is a representative of Jesus, a representation of Jesus. He's a symbol of Christ. And, uh, and I think that is such a great depiction of Jesus, or a great depiction of who God is. Because Aslan is a lion. He's ferocious. He's dangerous. He, he is, after all, a lion. And likewise, God is ferocious. He's dangerous. He is, after all, the God of the universe. 
He's not safe. But He is good. That comes up in, this, in the book. The, the little girl, she asks one of the other characters, Mr. Beaver, I think, is Aslan safe? And, and uh, the beaver says, no, he's certainly not safe. No, but he is good. And if the lion, if God, the lion of Judah, is your protector, your father, your, your Lord, you have nothing to fear. He's so good. He's so good. So recognizing the, the nature of God, sizing yourself appropriately to Him, having that, having that healthy fear, that healthy reverence and awe of God, that is what it means to fear God. And that's the starting point of wisdom. That's the first step to living well in God's world. Of course it is. Of course it is. Because without fear of God, we trust in our own wisdom, and our own ways of thinking, and our own intellect. And that ultimately leads to destruction. So if I summarize everything I've said today, it's this. That the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So the fear, fear, fearing God is how you start to become wise. That's the first step to becoming wise, to living well. And then, when we live well, that leads to blessing and joy and peace and life and all the things that, we, that the Scriptures say we receive when we live in accordance with God's will. The fear of the Lord leads to life. So if people want to be blessed and people want to have a good life, everybody, I mean, who doesn't want to have a great life and, and, and enjoy, enjoy life and be happy and blessed and satisfied and all these things and content? Well, in order to do that, you need to live wisely. You need to live well, live well according to God's principles. In order to do that, you've got to have a right view of God. You have to fear Him in a healthy way, to honor Him, reverence Him, worship Him.